You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm former Buffalo Bills wide receiver Don Beebe, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellas on Circling the Wagons podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. Because nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? Hey, hey, let's go Buffalo. Hey, hey, let's go Buffalo. The Bills make me wanna Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times, here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey, Bills Mafia. Welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Thank you guys so much for joining us for another tremendous special training camp preview episode where I continue my interview with buffalorumblings.com staff writer Sean Murphy. Um, If you haven't checked out part one, please do so. It is very insightful. Sean does the 90 players in 90 days columns where he goes into depth in each player and each positional group. So he's got a lot of great insight and he continues that insight into this episode where we talk more about the defense and we go into the wide receiver room. We talk about everything. Who's going to be wide receiver too? How is Dalton Kincaid going to get thrown in the mix? And we also talk about who we could see being cut from the Bills' defensive line because this is the deepest defensive line the Bills have had ever. Since I can remember, this is the deepest defensive line they've had. So we're going to talk about that. But first, this episode is brought to you by the Twin Spire Sportsbook at DeLago. If you're driving down Route 90 or if you're close to there, get off at Exit 41 and check out the Twin Spire Sportsbook at the DeLago Resort and Casino. It's a great time. We've been there several, a dozen times probably at this point, and we've always had a great time. Football is kicking off. Preseason games are starting. You have to go in there and check it out. The Twin Spires Sportsbook at DeLago. And I also mentioned in yesterday's episode that you have to check out Monday's episode because it's probably the funniest 10 minutes of podcasting we've done in the past seven years or so. Uh, it is it is just a lot of fun. It's off the board stuff. It is uh, we the first five minutes we, we get into it. We talk about my buddy. And in the last five minutes, we come to this amazing reveal for John's My Buddy Doll. It is, it's pretty incredible. It happens live on the air. You'll have to check it out. So without further ado, Buffalo Rumblings staff writer, Sean Murphy. But yeah, I, this, is, this is a good segue into that in general. Like you mentioned, they lost three games by a total of eight points or less. Um, you know, I just posted something on social media that like, that documented just all the things that this Bills team went mm-hmm. through. You know, if not including the 
you know, the tops, mass shooting. We mentioned the DeMar Hamlin thing. We didn't even talk about Kelly, or I'm sorry, um, Kim Pagula's stroke. We right. didn't talk about, you know, the snowstorms that forced the Bills out of their stadium. <laughs> and they the, played the, three games on the road in, what, 10 days? Something yeah. stupid like that. Like, Yeah, that, and they won yeah. them all, didn't they? Uh, didn't yeah. they win that three-game stretch? Yeah. Yeah, and and one should have been a home game, and one wasn't. You know, it was in Detroit, right? And uh, like the things that they overcame, like they were gassed even before the end of the season. Mm-hmm. If you ask me, like it was it was very obvious. You know, I do these these really cool uh, Twitter spaces after games now. So the post game, what I'll do is, you know, I'll, I'll I'll come on like right after the game, get reaction from like six or seven or eight different Bills fans, and get a feel for like you know how Bills fans are. It's instead of us, we do our recap you know, at the end of the night, but like right after the game, I've been getting on with Bill's fans on Twitter. And since we have like a decent following there, like we get a lot of different fans. And there was one fan in particular who's a loyal listener. And it was like, it was week 12 or 13 or something like that. And the Bills won, or maybe it was against the Patriots where they won, you know, and it was all exciting. Everyone's kumbaya because, you know, Naeem Hines, you know, runs back, um, you know, two kickoff return right. touchdowns or whatever. But, like, the Bills didn't perform well offensively that game, nope. and he was kind of pissed. And I'm like, you know, at one point I'm like, hey, man, it's did you – are you – you realize the Bills won, right? And he's just <laughs> like, no, no, I know, you know, this and that. And people were kind of, you know, they weren't rude to him after, but they kind of like, you know, in the comments were like, oh, you know, not can you believe this guy, but like, you know, cheer up, dude, or something. And I'm just like, you know what, there's a decent size – decent part of the fan base that believes in that there's a part of me that thinks the same thing although i don't you know i'm happy that they win i i think that first and foremost i was always hoping they were going to turn around and just like light it on fire in the playoffs which they didn't right like it was it was just symptomatic and it kept going but they're that good and if you think about like how good they were last season like where did they get worse in just middle linebacker if you ask me and that's the only position they might have got and we don't know for sure that they got worse at for sure yes i would but yeah, we have no idea of knowing. Like, they could have gotten better, for all we know. That's the only position that we know that they didn't improve in necessarily yep. on paper. Every other position that they – I mean, if you look, Sal Capaccio did a cool thing on Twitter where he showed, like, all the people that they've lost and all the people that they've gained between yeah. last season. And you're like, how did Brandon Bean do this? Uh, the guy's a wizard. That's how. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even, like, look at something that's minor and minor in the modern day – the running back room. I love Devin Singletary. I, I love to root for that guy. Who's better, him or Damian Harris? I, I think Harris is better than he is. And Harris is uh, Harris is another guy who sometimes wasn't healthy. But, like, this guy scored 15 touchdowns two years ago. Like, that's insane, that number of scores. And most of those touchdowns were from inside the 10-yard line. And if he can score from inside the 10-yard line, guess who doesn't have to run? inside the 10-yard line. Joshua Patrick Allen, he doesn't have to go ahead and take on a 250-pound linebacker because he can hand it to his running back instead. That would be really nice to go ahead and do something like that. And another, what a novel idea, right? Sean. <laughs> and, and look, I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound crazy. The other guy on this roster who I absolutely love and who I hope he makes the team is Latavius Murray. Because that guy, really, that guy is an absolute monster and he does everything well. And if you look at his numbers from last year, he's a 33 year old running back. They're supposed to be slowing down at this point. Guy averaged like four and a half yards a carry, 
the last game of the year, he ran like 20 times for 110 yards and a couple of touchdowns. And I think he finished the year with Denver, and they were awful. Oh, yeah. So it, I don't think Russell Wilson was even starting then. Wasn't he injured now, or something? I think you're right. And like now that I'm saying this, I think he finished with Denver. Like I want to look it up to make sure that I'm not. No, I think you're right. I think that's correct. Because he was with the Saints, I think, in the beginning. Yep. And then, and he wasn't really playing there. But it, it sounds wild to want multiple running backs active. But I, I think that this team, if you look at where their offensive strengths are, last year they kept a lot of wide receivers active. After, if I look at the wide receiver room, it's Diggs, Davis, Hardy, Shakir, Sherfield. That's pretty much all I need active. And there might be some people saying, what about Justin Shorter? What about Justin Shorter? He's a fifth-round rookie. You can keep him on the roster, deactivate him on game day. I I don't think I need that guy there, especially when when I've got Dalton Kincaid and you're probably going to run more 12 personnel than you have in years past. And and if you want to emphasize a little bit of this running game, Buffalo kept on game days, they would have Singletary, um and Hines and Taiwan Jones was active and you had Gilliam and for a while there it was Zach Moss uh, so they've kept five backs active in the past so if you do it this year it's Harris and Cook and Hines and Murray and Gilliam there's five guys so if Murray can play special teams and also kind of come in as the I'm good in pass protection but I'm also good at catching the passes, and I can also go ahead and bulldoze dudes because I'm 6'3 and 230 freaking pounds. It's not a bad idea to keep that guy on the 53. I'm just going to throw it out there. I know it's insane because there's probably other cuts that, that would need to happen for that, but that's that's my guy that's my dark horse that I'm rooting for to make the roster because I think that he gives them something that they don't otherwise have. Dude, I, I, you've sold me. I want him on the. I want him on the roster now. I just. His, <laughs> I need Latavius Murray in my life. It's, right. you know, it's 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 funny. The good thing about that though is if they did have to cut him for whatever reason, I think they could get him back during the season. Oh yeah, and they keep or him on sign the him back squad. to the practice squad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. So his I last mean, game not, a, last year. I'm sorry to jump on you. His, no, you're good. His last game last year, it was Denver against the Chargers. Denver won 31-28. He ran 15 times for 103 yards and a touchdown. Oh, wow. At, at the last game of the year. So those were his 171st carries at that point to get there. And you're right. I think that, De- let's see, who was Denver's starting quarterback in this game? Dun, da, 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 da. It was, oh, no, it was Wilson. He was still, oh, was he yeah, playing? He was playing. He was 13 of 24 for 283 and three touchdowns against that vaunted Chargers defense. So, yeah, but Latavius Murray carved them up at that point. I don't know. I, I, I think that he could give them something at that point. It would make fantasy football players very angry to have to deal with a backfield that would have Cook and Hines and Harris and Murray in there. But if Murray could tackle people on special teams... I, I think he's probably worthwhile. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was just looking to see. Justin Herbert did play that game, too, so that's pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like he was sitting out because they knew they won the division and they were stuck in their seed. 
Um, interesting. Very cool. That's a good tidbit, man. See, that's why I have you on. That's why I have you on. <laughs> One of the many reasons. Uh, so it's interesting what you say about Damien Harris. I would love the fact that for once that we could actually have a running back run in, you know, play. It sounds like from what from what I've read and seen, he sounds like a better version of Zach Moss. So we always hoped Zach Moss yeah. would be. He just has injury issues, right? Like, I mean, if you're looking at it from that standpoint. Yeah, I, th- I think that he has struggled. It's to his stay- biggest knock. Yeah, he's just struggled to stay healthy consistently. Because even and he killed Buffalo every time that they played, and and he was healthy. The guy absolutely killed them over the last. couple He had of that years. big run on uh, that uh, hurricane wind uh, night, didn't he? Isn't huh? he the reason they won that game? Uh huh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So if something tells me that they were probably like, yeah, let's. Hey, Sean, let's go ahead. We're gonna we're gonna go ahead and sign that guy. Make sure he gets here. Okay, thank you. Like we're we're gonna pick that man up at some point. But it's he's he's a good like a sneaky good ad. He does nothing for you offensively in the passing game. But but that's what James Cook and and Naheem Hines are there for. Hopefully, Ken Dorsey now that he's you know had an off season to plan for Naheem Hines can figure out how to use him offensively that that would be nice to do every once in a while well if you're gonna trade for him you think you'd try to use him right yeah and sure he was a very good return man but i'm i'm pretty sure like even listening to the i remember the press conferences in there where they'd ask about using Hines on offense and it would be like very curt answers from mcdermott where he'd say something kind of like yeah we really want to integrate him on the offensive end too Dead silence. Oh, where like yeah, you're, you're yeah. reading between the lines, where he's like, "Ken, I'm going to rip your throat out if you don't integrate this man into the offense at some point." <laughs> so, I'm going to give you, th- excuse me, three names on offense, four names on offense. Okay, okay. I want you to give the give me. Who you're most excited to see their role in the offense this season, starting one through four? Okay. So we have the rookie Dalton Kincaid, mm-hmm. tight end Dalton Kincaid. We have wide receiver Khalil Shakir. Mm-hmm. You've made this and then way we have, too hard on me already, but go ahead. <laughs> then we have wide receiver Trent Shurfield and wide receiver Deontay Hardy. Okay, So we have four weapons that we did not have last season, at least you know throughout the entire season. Khalil Shakir was there. I thought Khalil Shakir looked good when he did get the opportunity. He just, you know, they, again, rookies, they don't like to do it mm-hmm. if they don't have to. Um so I'm really interested to see what your thoughts are. Um, I have an idea where I think you're going to go, and I have my own idea, like rankings one through four. But but which ones are you most excited to see, like, you know, take the field this and, and actually contribute to the Bills' offense? All right. So I, I think I'm going to go backwards. I think of those four guys, um, I think the one who I'm least excited about is Sherfield, And that's not any knock on him. I actually think that the guy would be really good. They just have two guys in Diggs and Davis who are better than him at the positions where he would be most effective contributing. So I, I think that's why he would be there for me. I think that the the third of those dudes would be Deontay Hardy because from what I can see about him, he kind of strikes me as being Isaiah McKenzie if Isaiah McKenzie caught the ball more often. 
and, and I it, wait and as I and Isaiah McKenzie that catches the ball that sounds amazing. Yeah, it sounds like Cole Beasley almost or someone right? like right. And I actually no get, uh, wait for the guy who I think is going to be more like Cole Beasley because you're you're getting there. But the um, I I think Hardy and I and I like Isaiah McKenzie. I mean like he he was an exciting guy. There were some days where he would just blow up. But then there were some days where it looked like he had feet for hands. You know what I mean? Like where you'd throw it to him and it's like, what the hell is this guy doing? What, like Josh couldn't have handed it to him in a better spot. Where are we? And the play that I always, that I missed when, when Brian Dayball left that Dorsey didn't seem to utilize very much was the let's hand it off to McKenzie on a jet sweep because it was a guaranteed eight yards pretty much every time. So hopefully with Hardy uh, and or Hines and or Cook playing that like slot back speed motion role, they can get a little bit more of that in. Um, but I, I do. I think Deontay Hardy has some explosive capabilities uh, that that the other guys, it, it adds to what they do well already. Um, Dalton Kincaid is number two for me out of that because I think he depending on what they want to do he could entirely revitalize what they do in the slot he could become like that just big slot guy he could be a just the Y seam stretcher up the middle and and this is going to sound stupid but when I used to when I played Madden a lot I always used to have I would go two tight ends and I used to love going out of that ace formation and I would have one tight end who couldn't block worth a damn, but could run really fast. And I'd have another guy who was just like that big bruiser type. And I'd mm. always have the guy who couldn't block be the number two tight end. And there was this one play where you'd play action fake and that guy would go up the seam from the, the off the left tackle. And when I tell you that it didn't matter who it was, it didn't matter who I was playing, he was always wide open. That's what I envision Kincaid doing often, where like you could go out there and like picture this. Your offensive grouping is Knox and Kincaid, Damian Harrison, James Cook, and Stephon Diggs. There's your skill guys. How's the defense going to line up against that? Is Buffalo going to go tight? Are they going to go spread? Is Cook going to be in the slot? Is Diggs going to be in the slot with Cook outside of him? Is Diggs going to be in the slot on one side with Cook on the the slot on the other side and have the tight ends outside? What are we going to do? Like, you could really mess with people with, with what they have right here. So Kincaid is kind of the key to that because, like, I mean, and this is no disrespect to Quentin Morris, there's not going to be a lot of defensive coordinators losing sleep if Quentin Morris is the guy in that spot. But Kincaid has that pedigree. And I mean, last year he actually, it's fresh in my mind because he's the 90 and 90 that's running tomorrow. He caught, he caught 70 balls for 890 yards and eight touchdowns last year. And that, that was all top seven in the pack 12. Like the guy's an absolute monster. And I like that Buffalo rather than trying to pick the fifth best wide receiver in the draft, decided, well, F it. I I think that their guy might have been Addison from from USC. And when he got picked, they were like, okay, uh-oh, well, what do we do? 
and like you you can't see that in like the cutups and they would never admit to that but i don't think they were trying to pick a tight end in the first round i think that just once it happened they kind of looked at each other and they were like well this is one of the last guys we have with a first round grade on him let's go get him yeah we better get him before dallas does yes and and he's going to help us a tremendous amount and i me and uh me and hunter who's also one of the uh the the writers at rumblings and and Corey and there's a bunch of us who are very very team Khalil Shakir and and I've been pounding the table for this freaking guy he played great in the Pittsburgh game last year when he finally got an opportunity and I'm like there's your slot receiver there's your guy go play him and then the next week it was like womp 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 he's not out there again what is happening what is happening I I love the dude I he's he's strong he is quick. He seems to be a good and willing blocker. He gives me Robert Woods vibes, but I think that he could be better than Woods, at least better than Woods was when Woods was in Buffalo. Um, and I, I hope that they expand his role a little bit this year. I would love to see him be the primary wide receiver three with, uh, with Kincaid being that like big slot slash tight end two, uh, where almost I, I want those two guys to be the ones that take the majority of the snaps there. I fear that the contract they gave Hardy is going to limit what Shakir can do. And that, that makes me sad in a way, because I think that Shakir is more the complete package, whereas Hardy is, is a bit more limited to your explosive plays, trick plays. Cause he's again, I, I think, is he five foot six? Hardy, yeah, or, he's yep, or five foot eight, like like he's he's little, Short, yeah, he's he's a shorter guy, and, and that's that's tough to do when you're when you're going around and you know trying to get guys down the field, and when you're talking about their catch radius and whatnot. But but Shakir is a guy who it also wouldn't surprise me, and this is getting ahead of myself here because I I do not envision the Bills re-signing Gabe Davis at, at the end of this year. I I think that. If they do re-sign him, it means that he's going to sign for a one-year deal for low money, and it's because he played really poorly this year or he got hurt. And that, and either one of those things is not good for the results this year. I think if Davis has the kind of year that I think he's going to have, he's going to price himself out of being here. So I, I think that perhaps Shakir could end up being that outside guy who plays across from Diggs next year. I don't think he's just limited to the slot. I think he has the ability to go inside and outside. But that to me, that's the guy who I, I just want to see more of him. I, I think if he had a more expanded role, he would really break out. Interesting. Very interesting because I didn't think you were going to pick Shale- Khalil Shakir first. That is my guy. I have been all about him. It really, it's it's the Pittsburgh game. Since since yeah. I watched the Pittsburgh game, I was like, this man needs to play. I was even as that game was getting like farther and farther out of hand. I, I remember I was at my in laws, and my father in law is like, Sean, why are you still watching the game? It's it's thirty five nothing. And I'm like, well, the excuse was, well, I have to write about it tomorrow, so I got to make sure that I see everything. And meanwhile, I'm like, I'm at my in laws, man. Like, I'm I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna watch the whole darn game. Like, what do you think this is? I'm trying not to talk to you right now. Just don't. <laughs> No, it, I, uh, I, so I'm a, 
I'm a big fan of Joe Marino from Lockdown Bills. Mm-hmm. He does a tremendous job. And one of the things I like about him, especially during draft time, is that, you know, he talks about, you know, the draft prospects versus what the Bills have on the roster. So not only is he knowledgeable for, you know, the the, the Bills in general, but like the draft right. specifically because he does a lot of work for that. So uh, one of the things he mentioned is that people are asking him, where would you slate Khalil Shakir if you were to rank him with the wide receivers of this year's group? Hmm. And he said... And you're going to like this, especially being Khalil Shakir fan. He's like, he would be my seventh-ranked wide receiver of this class if I were to rank him. And he's like, luckily, my my rankings go, like, between year to year, so I can rank them versus, you know, other years' drafts. He's like, he would be my seventh-ranked wide receiver in this year's draft. So that's, like, that is a great sign from, like, the Bills from a short-term and a long-term wide receiving standpoint because I think that there's – as much as we talked about the Bills not really enjoy or not really being big fans of starting rookies and Dalton Kincaid being a rookie, do we really think he's going to take over? You know, they, they all of a sudden go from like a eight or nine percent, 12 personnel team to like an 85 percent, 12 personnel right. team? Like, probably not. If you were to guess, probably maybe like 40 percent. Maybe thirty, forty percent. Yeah, right? yeah. I think forty. Is, He's into it. Forty might even be a little high. You, you like, could yeah. be right in there. Like I, because you're not going to take Knox off the field very often, and, and he is a he's really come into his own as just an all around another guy who I wish they would have integrated into the offense a little bit more. Like, and I, I wonder how much of that we've kind of avoided the elephant in the room very well with this like. How much of that is maybe like Josh feeling like he has to throw the ball to Stefan Diggs a little bit more often? And, and how much of that is, is Ken Dorsey, like knowing that Diggs is obviously the best playmaker on the field. So he's got to design plays to get him the ball. But, but Knox has always kind of felt like a guy who gets five targets in a game, but really could get eight or nine and, and it would really be beneficial. Yeah, I um I'm glad we don't have to talk about. Dukes. We'll just we'll just we'll just pretend that that is all been smoothed over. There will be no issues whatsoever and it's just like put my fingers in my ears and go la 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 and just pretend that like, you know, until all of a sudden they show up and it feels like they haven't talked the entire off season to one another and they're just bringing it that would be like so you're a teacher, Sean. It would be like, you know, you having a beef with your best friend and like the last day of school, right? And yep. then all of a sudden you show up in September, it's like and the first time you see him in his locker, he's like, "Hey, what's up?" Man, it's just like, what the hell's go? What the hell do you mean? What's up, man? You know, like yeah. you're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. well, and here I'll <laughs> e- I'll even take it a step I'm further out. because my my principal is one of my best friends. So like my boss and I, we grew up together. We've known each other since we were nine years old. We were in each other's weddings. We coached together for ten years. That would be like me leaving on the last day of school and then showing up for the day before and him pulling me into his office. Like for our like pre meeting and meet like just MRFing him the whole time and him being like, all right, you know what, Sean, even though it's only nine o'clock, you don't have to be here. Go home. Just show up to work tomorrow and teach for the first day. Like that, that's what it would be like. It just, it doesn't make any freaking sense to me. Yeah. And then you just don't talk. You don't, you don't make up, make it up. The entire summer, like you don't talk to the principal, right. you don't like try to like even text them or whatever. I or just try tweet to vague song what's... lyrics throughout the entirety of the time. <laughs> It, it, it's there's there's a tweet that went around that's like it, it was like the the different things that different football players tweet and it was like the quarterback 
tweets like, I love my teammates, God first. And it's like the running back tweets like, keep grinding, the tight end, derp. And then the wide receiver, the enemy walks quietly and carries a large knife. And it's like, <laughs> that's all, they're such like mercurial beings, the wideouts. So like when you look oh, yeah. at all of this, like, does it change how they, they switch the personnel around? Does it change how, how things are going to like shift? Does it shift, does it shift in Allen's head? Like, does he sit there and start to go, you know, is he mad at me? Do I have to throw him the ball? And I, I had a guy who I, I work with who I really respect who was trying to say to me last year, he was like, Diggs is cancer, man. They need to get rid of him. They need to get rid of him. And I was like, I, I think you're overreacting. I think you're a little crazy here. Um, and it's, it's just in the line that's been repeated to me over and over. And I'm like, on what successful team is there not that guy who gets really, really, really pissed off at something, right? Like there's always yep. every good team has that alpha, has that person who's going to come in and y you need that person to win. My, my principal and I, when, when we were coaching basketball, we had one girl on the team who was just angry all the time. And she was just, no matter what happened, she was never happy. And he looked at me one day and he was like, you know what? You fucking need one of those to win. And he was right. Because every single time, like, she'd get pissed off, we'd be like, okay, go guard the other team's best player. And then she would and she'd lock her down. And like, what do you think? Do you think Alan is, is so soft that he's going to look and be like, oh, no, I got, I don't know what to do. Steph's mad at me. Nah, he's going to be like, screw that, dude. Like, let's go. He knows why Steph's mad. Steph wants the ball because he thinks he could win. That's it. They're good. So I, I, I think that like this personnel grouping stuff, you're obviously going to have digs on the field. Gabe Davis was on the field more than any wide receiver on the roster last year because he's an, an excellent blocker on top of, of being a good deep threat. Uh, so then it becomes, what do you do with that third person? And because Knox is going to be on the field the majority of the time. And then you're going to have to rotate that between Shakir, uh, Hardy, Kincaid, and, and Reggie Gilliam, too, to an extent. Because you're going to need the fullback in there every once in a while. They ran the fullback out there. And shock, surprise, they ran the football pretty well when the football when the fullback was out there to, to lead the way every so often. So it's it's going to be interesting how they break it down in that regard. I think, you know, it's funny. We talked about the middle linebacker, at least I did, about them platooning the role, you know, and then maybe seeing where things, like, settle out. Mm -hmm. Like, I could see them doing that with a slot role. Yep. And seeing because, cause, you know, I was, I was thinking about it this offseason, and, you know, when you talk about the Bills, like, once a week on the air, eventually, like, some decent ideas shake out, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> and one of them was, you know, I think a lot of the struggles with the Buffalo Bills um, on offense, and let me know what you think about it. It wasn't necessarily the creativity of the play or whatever. I think Josh just really missed that safety blanket he had in Cole Beasley yeah. that he didn't have this season in Isaiah McKenzie. And I think they just realized that really quick, and they realized, like, oh, no, like, we don't have anyone that can do this. Like, we just need to start force-feeding those other guys more often. And they're like, oh, crap, we can't force-feed Dawson Knox because he needs to block a lot more often because, <laughs> you know, Spencer we don't... Brown is terrible. <laughs> Spencer Brown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spencer Brown needs a lot of help over there. And, and 
what I'm hoping with, you know, like a lot of other positions, is they upgraded Isaiah McKenzie's role to be between Dalton Kincaid, Khalil Shakir, and Deontay Hardy, like a lot of an upgrade. An upgrade probably two or three times over, but at least an upgrade in, yeah. in one of those roles. And they find who really gets that, you know, maybe it's maybe it's not all together every game. It's this guy or that guy. You know, it's certain situations or whatever. But you just need to make Josh Allen feel comfortable. And once he gets that guy, you know, even Cole Beasley, the year before this past one where he was kind of on a downward trend and COVID and all that stuff was happening, like he was still a, a, a decent decent slot receiver and they just didn't have that last season you give you know josh allen you know gabe davis again stefan Diggs again um dawson knox and then you also give him dalton and and maybe he's that guy or you know other you know shakira hardy like i think that that's a huge upgrade for the buffalo bills and that'll bring josh allen to the level that he was in 2021 where people thought not that he had a bad 2022 season but i think by and far, if you, by and large, if you talk to people, I think that they'd say 2021 was better. Maybe that's just because of how it ended with the, you know, 13 seconds game and how he lit it on fire mm-hmm. against the, the Chiefs and the Patriots in the playoffs. But I think that role is key. And you mentioned all those players. I think that, you know, there's there's reason for optimism for Buffalo Bills fan fans for Josh Allen being better in general, having his best season because of all of those all of those players. Yeah, well, I I think that you hit it right on the head, man, because they missed Cole Beasley so much that they signed Cole Beasley off his couch to come back. They Allen was so uncomfortable with some of the guys that they had at wideout that they exhumed John Brown too for that one. And it's exhumed. I well, love it's, it. <laughs> he, and I love John Brown. Okay, when yeah. uh, my my oldest son Declan's favorite player is John Brown because that was the guy who when he first he paid attention to the games when he was like five six years old with me and he'd be sitting there going dad John Brown catches everything and that was his that was his guy because that's who Allen was throwing to 10 times a game so when Brown caught that touchdown pass uh against New England he was so hyped when he was looking at him, he goes, John Brown, that's actually John Brown. I'm like, yes, it is, buddy. That's probably going to be the last one, but good for John Brown. <laughs> and it, But what they did last year, and this is going to be a throwback for like us fans of a certain age, it reminded me of when, like towards the end of Jim Kelly's career, where the front office was adding wide receivers, and Kelly was like, I, I don't want to throw it to these kids. I know what I want to do, but like, I'm not throwing the ball to Justin Armour. This guy doesn't know where he's going. I'm not throwing the ball to Eric Moulds. This kid doesn't know where he's going. Please let Steve Tasker play on offense. And like Tasker in 95 and 96 was their primary slot receiver for a lot of the time. Like he oh, literally no he literally begged the offensive coordinator like, hey, can, can Steve play there? Because these kids don't know what the hell they're doing. And they did it. And quarterbacks are like pitchers. They're, they're weird and they, they get comfortable with certain, like, what other sport do you know of where there is a personal guy where, like, every fifth day, the backup catcher might absolutely suck, but his only reason for being on the roster is because he's really good friends with Greg Maddox or he's really good friends with, with, uh, Jacob deGrom or he's really good at, at calling pitches for, you know, Max Scherzer. So, like, that is a weird thing to have happen, but we kind of saw it last year where, like, 
maybe Khalil Shakir didn't play as much because Allen didn't trust that he was going to be in the right spot all the time. Maybe Dalton Kincaid isn't going to get right on the field because Allen doesn't trust that he's going to get to the right spot all the time. I mean, Aaron Rodgers literally forced his way out of Green Bay because they kept not signing wide receivers that he wanted. Aaron Rodgers got pissed off that they didn't sign Jake Kumaro, of all people. And that's like one of the nails in the coffin that he brought up, that he wanted Kumaro, of all people. So if if Allen's not comfortable with the guy there, and I think, too, oddly enough, the, the longest tenured, the receiver that Allen played, has played with the longest in his career is Isaiah McKenzie. Like, that's the guy who has been in the most games with him. But you could see they just didn't have that same kind of rapport. Like, he and Beasley were on. Beasley knew exactly where he had to be, and Allen put it there. Um, Allen and Diggs are on. Like, like he can just throw the ball over there and it's going to go. I think Allen and Gabe Davis are on, too. Gabe just doesn't, you know, always catch it when it hits him in the hands. So it's... it's it, Allen and Knox are similar. I mean, the pass that Allen threw to Knox in the wild card round against Miami, where he basically just like threw it right an inch or two away from a linebacker's head, and Knox caught it somehow on there. Like I, Tony Romo, like needed to change his pants after the guy made the throw. He was like, "Whoa, Jim! I can't believe this just happened." But it's guys kill Romo as an announcer too. By the way, he's at least exciting. I'll take that. He's not. I, I like Romo. He's not Gus Johnson. Gus Johnson is like give me any game announced by Gus Johnson any day of the week. But but anyhow, it's it's it's. Is a, that the moose? Oh no no that's Daryl Johnston no Gu- Daryl Johnston okay Gus 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 is my guy he only does basketball games now but he's the oh. guy and he starts yelling at everything <laughs> like he he did a lot of drought era games Gus and anyone who could make a Bills Jaguars game in two thousand nine sound like entertaining deserves all of the awards. And let's, yeah. I'll I'll take Gus any day of the week. That guy is to me, he is the premier of the announcers. <laughs> Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. That's awesome. That's awesome. Sean, I've, I've taken up a ton of your time. Um, <laughs> is there like, we've hit on so many different topics in these conversations. Um, is there anything that like I missed? I mean, we didn't talk about defensive tackle or anything like that, but we touched on it for a moment. Is there anything that like, 
I miss that you want to bring up before I let you go or anything at all that, that, that you might have come across through your 90 players in 90 days that, that we didn't hit on that, that you feel is worth mentioning or, or anything uh, at all? So here's the one I'll give you. The defensive line, I actually think that they are so stacked at, on the edge and in the middle that I don't know for certain what they're going to do. And I don't know if we could really come to a consensus on it because I think I could make the argument that there are six defensive ends and five defensive tackles who deserve a roster spot. And I don't think they can keep 11 guys in there. I don't think they can keep 10 even. Well, uh, 10, nine or 10 is what it's going to end up being, chances are. But if you look at the edge, you've got Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, which talk about a great free agent signing in Leonard Floyd. Oh, yeah. um, you've got Groot, you've got Epinesa, You've got Basham, and you have Shaq Lawson. All, I don't think all six of those guys can make the roster. No, I think Lawson's the first to go, for sure. But. I kind of agree with you, and I don't like to agree with you on that. Because <laughs> I know, I like Shaq Lawson. I like him, and he's solid, but you, I don't think you can... You can't cut Epinesa or Basham as a, as a, a second-round pick before their contract is up. I just no, don't no. think you can. Um and if Miller starts on the pup list, you could argue that you could keep Lawson and then release him when Miller's healthy. But Lawson's a vested veteran. His entire salary becomes guaranteed if you keep him for week one. So it kind of changes the calculus a little bit, especially when you're tight against the cap. So you've got those six guys at the defensive end spot. And then the five defensive tackles... You've got Oliver, you've got Ford, uh, you've got um, Jones. Declan Jones, and Settle. Yeah, and then you have Settle and Jordan Phillips. And I don't think all five of them can stay. I think one of them has to go. And my head says to cut, um, my head says to cut Phillips because he's not healthy all the time. But my heart says I want to keep him. Because the guy is a ball of energy and he's a complete menace when he is healthy. Oh, yeah. But then the other dude is settle because he's kind of a tweener and I don't really know what to do with him the way that they have this locked up. So I think those two are, are the end there. But which, which guy are you defend- getting out of? It's so I, you're right. The Phillips thing, like I love Jordan Phillips when he comes in. He's not at Oliver, but like you, I mean, I feel like he affects the game. Um, in a way that you know Tim Settle just hasn't yet. Yep. He just hasn't. If you're looking at it from a from a standpoint of familiarity, Jordan Phillips has that so much more than Tim Settle does, based on you know this this is what his third run with the team. Um, so I think I'd have to go Settle. But then again, it sounds like he was playing out of position a lot last season. Um, asking him to play one tech when yep. that's not really his role. He's more of a three tech. So, like, now Puna Ford is signed there. Now they have the ability to actually, you know, have him play the position he was supposed to play to begin with. If you're going off of age, you're going with Settle. If you're going off of, you know, what's been shown on the field so far for the Buffalo Bills, you got to go Jordan Phillips. And I think they go with familiarity over upside every time. Yeah. Um, Familiarity and production over upside, or perceived upside at least, um, 
But but what I think might happen, Sean, is and, and this is just kind of from our conversation just now, is you could be looking if the Bills don't cut Shaq Lawson, um, you could at least do this on defensive end, not so much defensive tackle, but like you could trade one of those guys on a rookie contract. Yep. Um, and you're I'm I'm looking at AJ Epinesa first because I don't think they're ready to give up on Boogie Basham, but I think at this time like we like AJ Epinesa, but we don't love him, so I don't see him getting a contract extension after this season. Yeah, Epinesa, I like he's kind of like Schrodinger's defensive end. Like he's is he dead? Is he alive? Is he great? Is he not? And it's there's a it's a catch twenty two too because. I feel like he needs to play more consistently in order to earn more snaps, but it's really hard to play more consistently when you don't play that many snaps because there's been, in the last two years, there's been one game early where he's just absolutely dominated. Uh, two years ago, it was the Miami game where he actually knocked Tungavailoa out of the game uh, and and he did, he just, I, he was a terror. And last year... The opener, he had a sack and a half, four quarterback hits. He was an absolute disaster for the Rams offensive line. And then he just kind of disappears for really long stretches. Um, so he's, he is, he's shown flashes, which in a lot of ways is more than Basham has done. Yep. But Basham also has that interior piece where he's a, I almost feel like, he'd be a better pass rusher from that three-tech spot than he is from the outside because he's similarly built to Ed Oliver where he's he's a little bit smaller than Ed, but he's a little bit too big to to be like your your edge setting or your pass rushing defensive end. So there there's some like, yeah, there's some, there's some flexibility. I feel like both Basham and Epinesa are square pegs in round holes. And they're going away from those kind of ends where they're going to more like your bendy athletes as opposed to your big edge setters. So I do wonder if if you could get something for some of – because you're right. I, I would rather – I think I would rather like try to hold on to Epinesa because at this point he's probably better than Basham is. But I don't think you're going to get anything for trading Basham. You might get no. something – somebody willing to take a flyer on Epinesa, get him a year in the system before they sign him to a contract. But if... I mean, what's the most you're going to get him for? Like, maybe a fifth-round pick Right, exactly. Most? Like, I mean, you're yeah. not going to get much for him. And a fifth I would think, probably be an over... It's probably more a conditional, like a seventh that can turn into a sixth at that end. So so here's a question for you. Let's say they, they max out and they keep 10 defensive ends and defensive tackles. Of these players, which one do you cut out of? Because I think we agree that we have to cut one of them. Yeah. Just one. If they keep the max amount, which we think the max is going to be 10, right? Yeah. It's a max that they keep out of both position groups. You have to cut one. Do you cut Shaq Lawson, Jordan Phillips, or Tim Settle? Between those three. You know, I think I cut Settle. I think I cut Settle and I roll the dice on Phillips being healthy. Mm-hmm. Because in pass rush situations, I can play Basham inside, um, and if I and in real like obvious rundowns, I think Lawson has value. And yep. when you've got two guys like Floyd and Miller who aren't really heavy bodied ends, when you've got a third and two, you might go ahead and run a defensive line out there that has 
hell, I mean, go back to like the, you know, the Pat Williams and Sam Adams days where you, you have Puna Ford and Daquan Jones in the middle and then have Groot and, and Lawson as your defensive ends on a third and one or on a third and two. Go ahead. Go for mm-hmm. it. Especially if it's like in your own end of the field where you know you've got a team that's, that's probably going to run heavy. Let's get our run anchors in there. So I, I do. I think that Settle to me is the one who is, has been the least impressive. Um, and I, I would roll the dice on cutting him and hoping that I could get, you know, 13 healthy games out of Jordan Phillips before I went ahead and said, all right, I'm going to take 17, uh, healthy games out of Tim Settle, even though it's not as, as good as, as I would get out of a healthy Phillips. Now, if Von Miller starts on the pup, then all of a sudden that decision's made for you. Yes. Yes. But then I have to cut somebody when they come back, when he comes back, and I don't know who I'm releasing at that point. That's that's where it gets really difficult. Like, But it gives us at least six weeks of time and be like, yes. wow, Tim Settle really, all of a sudden, like he's playing the position he needs to play. And this is a guy that's like a lot better than we, than we pegged him for last season. Yep. Because at one point he was regarded as one of the steals of free agency last, the yes. season before. Yes. Um, so I'm not necessarily willing to give up. Whereas like if I had to choose, I think I'd lean more towards Shaq Lawson and I like Shaq Lawson, but I think we know what he is. Agreed. I, I see that point. And I think you get some of the same things from AJ Epinesa inconsistently, perhaps more so from Greg Rousseau plus the added pass rush. Um, excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. So that's that's the only thing that would I'm still somewhat bullish on Tim Settle. Maybe it's just me remembering his press conference where he's like, "Man, I'm so excited to be here." Woo! And he well, just Well, yeah, he seems like a great dude. So it's it's one of those where I I do I feel awful sitting there like, "Yeah, that's the guy I'm going to get rid of." Like that's my man that I'm out on. But it's I <laughs> yeah, I Lawson is a and I don't know, Lawson was a guy I was happy when they let him walk the first time. Because I was like, yeah, this, this dude's not really worth being here. But then he came back and, and like watching him, he started every game last year after Miller went down. Like, oh, really? yeah, he, he was the dude who was starting in there. So I, I find it difficult in my head to say like, yeah, they're going to, they're definitely going to ax this guy. But I also, I don't think they're going to wave Basham. I don't, that they're not going to wave Epinesa. They, they just aren't. So it's I I it's an interesting thing because Miller keeps saying he's going to be ready for week one too, which I I'd be I mean I'll believe it when I see it. But I mean, have you seen some of the pictures of that cat on like Instagram? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh my yeah. god, that guy is like guy's an absolute monster in there. I'm like, this man is is 33, 34 years old. He's built like that, and he's coming off of an ACL tear. Like, okay, like good. Hopefully he's healthy because if he is, look out. So many things that, like, I think we have to be excited for as Bills fans, you know, including getting Von Miller back, you know, I mean, Jordan, Micah Hyde back, which we didn't have most last season. Like you said, three games that were lost by a total of eight points. Yeah. Um, and that game that they just, like, I don't think there's any way they win that Bengals game. But you, like you said, Daquan Jones was a huge factor in not being in that game, and they were just gashed. One of the reasons why I was okay with them letting go of Tremaine Edmonds because of how he performed that game. But, oh, it was brutal. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a brutal game just to watch in general. But, um, last thing I'll say, which I, you know, we brought up our conversation. One of the, one of the many reasons I love having you on is it sparked so many different conversations is we talked about how this team is better this year than we think it was last year. A lot of these players are on one-year contracts. The Bills, if I don't know if this is Brandon Bean trying to do this. I think it's just mostly based on how strapped he is cap-wise. But like, there's a lot of opportunities for him to get, because of these guys are on one-year contracts, Like availability to see these guys. It's almost like tryouts to see if he will get signed to a longer-term deal the yeah. next when this, when this contract. I mean, think about Taylor Rapp. Does Taylor Rapp end up really becoming like? Is Jordan Poyer's career done? You know, like is he going to be injured that much more often? If so, right. like they extend Taylor Rapp more than his just this one year contract. Think about Puna Ford, Daquan Jones. These guys are only here on the contract for this past. They they have an opportunity to see both of these guys, and we know that they only have Ed Oliver signed into next season for defensive tackle. I wouldn't be surprised if they sign one of those guys to a two year contract after this season. Yeah, depending on how they perform. Yeah, I mean, I it's. The, the classic prove it deal for a lot of these guys. Cause like yeah, Oliver got his money and he got his like, and w- with the Quinn and Williams deal that just came out too, to look at Oliver signing like a four year, $60 million extension or 68, whatever it happened to be to, to have Williams sign for 92 million in the same draft. You look and you go, okay, this, this feels a little bit more palatable. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, if it was just like seventy million for Quinn Williams, you'd be like, "Oh my God, what are we doing?" Right? right? Yeah, yeah. But the fact that that Oliver was able to get a little okay, that that works. But then I I'd really like to see them sign Jones longer term than okay. just this year because I think he is he's what they thought they were getting with Star Latulale, or what they hoped they were getting with Star Latulale. Um yep. But but Star was cooked. Really, I mean, he was. It was not. He did not live up to his name, let alone his contract at that point. But but with Jones, you, you have a guy who has really – he anchored it in the middle there. So I, I'd love to see him get that deal. And I think you can wait with somebody like Rap because I think Rap probably signed here thinking like, hey, I get to play behind a couple of the league's best and there's some upside for me and that they both dealt with injuries. And I'm also dealing with a team that that knows how to coach up its defensive backs, and and knows that he's got McDermott and he's got John Butler, and and it's two guys who are really good at what they've done. So to come and see two safeties thrive in a system, and then go, yeah, I want to go there. That that's where I want to be. And I I wouldn't be surprised if they said to him like, hey, look, you know, Mike is on a one year deal. Jordan is here for this year and next year. You come here, we see how it goes. If you like it here, Micah goes, we sign you, and then we go ahead and have both of you guys play next year together, and then we see where where it goes from that point on. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they had a conversation like that. Like, you could play yourself into an extension here in that. But yeah, Rap is a guy who uh, who, who I think would be worth it, and it's that the prove-it deal, man. That's when you go out in free agency and you're looking for for multiple years and all you get is one year. Okay, now prove it. Now see what you can earn from that point on. Yeah, absolutely, man. This has been a blast. Um, Thought we would end the conversation 20 minutes ago. We just kept going. (laughs) Um, Appreciate your time, you know, throughout the summer. I know you're a teacher. This is a great time to have you on. You've been really busy since we talked again in March. Uh, We talked last time in March. So this has been a blast. Uh, 
Sean, I know people can find all your work on buffalorumblings.com. You're doing the 90 players in 90 days. By the way, if you guys ever see that on social media or you see that on the site, like that is Sean doing all of those. Um, really great insight and going. So like that's one of the reasons why I love having him come on is because you have that insight because you've had to do the research on each and every guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just like you're looking at 90 players in 90 days. I'm like ah, 30 players maybe. <laughs> like that's all I know about, <laughs> you know, more than just like the first the first and last name. So um, – where can, they can find your site on buffalonomalities.com and find your, all your work there on the site. Uh, what else? Is there anything else you want to plug? Maybe your Twitter account or um, anything else? No, man. I'm a, I'm a pretty much a Twitter ghost. Like I said, I usually uh, – if you follow me on Twitter, you're going to get a whole bunch of updates on uh, on high school softball in there. So the, the only but thing – But we need you to create a separate Twitter account just for the it, non-softball stuff. It, it could be like – Murphy, Sean Murphy Bills. One, there, there one of these days, I should probably do it. Like, actually join the 21st century. Now, you know what? The only thing I'm I'll gonna, be your first follow. I promise. Yes. The only thing I'm going to plug real fast because I always talk about uh, about some of the softball stuff when I'm in here. There are two because uh, I'm 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 a downstate guy. I'm in I'm in Ulster County where I am. So if you guys know where that is, congratulations. I'm like SUNY New Paltz is pretty close to me. That's where my my vibe is. But there were two softball teams that were up in your neck of the woods uh, that maybe there are some people who are who are Bills fans, who are listeners, who I, I want to plug a little bit. The first one is the Wellsville uh, high school softball team. They, they went to the state final four. Uh, their coach actually cold called me to uh, to get a report on the team they were playing because it was a Section 9 team, one of the teams that were by us. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to give them much more than, buddy, they're really good. Like, you're, you've are you got your hands full. But uh, they put up a valiant fight. They were beating them for a little bit. And unfortunately for the Wellsville girls, uh, they ended up losing at that point. But congrats on getting that far, Wellsville. And number two uh, is the, uh, the Gowanda high school softball team because they beat another team uh, that's that's coached by a friend of mine. And I believe that for them, that was their first uh, state championship in anything in school history. So that's awesome. And they, like my team, they had a, a freshman pitcher who uh, who drove the bus and was and was really, really good. So so Gowanda, congrats to you guys, man, because that is that's literally the dream. So hopefully, even though we're we're at a slightly bigger class uh, than they are. Uh, but hopefully one of these days we uh, we cross paths at something like that and, and I can can shake your coach's hand and congratulate you guys in, in real time. But that's that's cool stuff, man. So the the Western New York uh, conglomerate was was strong because I think Wellsville is somewhere outside of Rochester, I want to say. And, and when I looked at where Gowanda was, they are uh, like around the Fredonia area. That was at least the closest landmark to me being not from the area where I was able to find, but my, uh, when I was looking at my Western New York peeps, that, that was, uh, that, that was pretty cool to see that they were playing well. That's awesome, Sean. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure if people have heard you before, they know that you're a coach, you're a girl softball coach. What, give me one thing that you like to impart on your kids as a coach, maybe like I, I always like to liken it to Sean McDermott. Like, I don't know if it's a growth mindset sort of thing or like just some life advice or what. Like when you're teaching these young women and you're more than just a coach, like you're also a mentor, you're trying to be a good example of what they want to do in the future life or, or people that they want to be around. Um, 
what's one thing that you found since you've been doing this for a little while? What's one thing that you found um, that helps you relate to them or coach them or both? It's yeah, the one I don't know because I every year I feel like I screw enough things up where I just I I try to stay out of my own way. But you you try to like you have to meet them as people is is the biggest thing to try to figure out, and you have to find where they are and and try to because for some of them it's and for me I'm a very competitive person, right? So I I obviously every game that I go into I I want to win the game and I want to approach practice like we're grinding it out and we're getting better and blah blah blah. But for some of them it it really is it's a it's an activity it's a thing that they do. It's something that they do to, to hang with their friends. So you have to kind of meet some of them at that point, but then you have to get people to buy into growing to, to build something better. So I always try to like come up with a motto for the year at the beginning of the year. And like last year we started giving out camp t-shirts. So last year's motto was all in. That's all it was. So like once you're here and like I, my my wife is really good with the cricket and we have a heat press at home. So she taught me how to do it. So I tried to save a buck and I turned my basement into a sweatshop, literally, because it gets real hot down here when you're pressing T-shirts. So I made 60 all-in T-shirts and I'm giving them to the kids at the camp and whatnot that we were running. And th- this year, uh, our our motto is just one more because no matter what you do in life, no matter where you go, you always want one more. Even when you're a little kid, you're asking your your parents for, hey, hey, I can't push you anymore on the swing. Oh, come on, please, one more. And when I'm in the batting cage and I'm throwing to them, it's, you know, all right, hey, this is the last one. They don't hit it the way they want. Hey, can I have one more? They kick a ground ball and warm ups. All right, next. Nope. Hey, can I get one more? And then it even translates outside of that because we were talking about it before as, you know, we're getting older and like you want one more day with people. You want to see somebody for one more minute. And, and you want to be able to, to exist for one more second. And when you're in a season, you want to be able to play one more game. You want one more pitch. You want one more at bat. You want one more quarter. You want one more pass. You want one more tackle. So that's like just trying to get them to think about staying in that moment, but also being better than you were a second ago. And like yesterday, we were in the weight room and I've got seventh graders in there and I've got 12th graders in there. And the seventh graders, a lot of them, they're four foot 10 and 85 pounds and they've never lifted a weight in their life. So they're sitting there going, what do I do? Like, look at her. She's lifting 80 pounds. And I go, don't compare yourself to her. Compare yourself to you. Like, like start from there. Like, what can you do? What, try to pick it up. You can't get the bar. Okay. Let's get a dumbbell. Let's do this. You know, try to just be better today than you were yesterday and be better tomorrow than you are today. So it's, just trying to get him to do like little tiny things. And I listen to McDermott and I listen, I read a lot of like what Marv Levy would do. And I, you know, I, I look at a lot of, I, I tend to focus more on coaches who their message is more positive. I'm not a yeller. I don't agree that, that getting in people's face and screaming is something that's better. Like, I mean, we all have day jobs. I don't think that any of us would appreciate it. You know, if we made a mistake at work, our boss getting in our face and screaming about how awful we were and how we need to focus more and pay attention. It might be a little better if the boss came up and said, Hey, you know, that email that you sent, you hit reply all don't hit reply all in the email next time. Okay. Thanks man. See you later. So like, I'm not going to go scream at a a 15 year old because she threw a ball over the first baseman's head. You know, she didn't do that on purpose. She obviously wasn't trying to. So I, I, it's, you know, 
try to stay positive and, and try to stay in the moment and just get yourself one more second. Ah, oh, that's good. That's a good way to end this episode. Thank you very much, Sean. Appreciate you coming on. And uh, dude, I, I, I'm just hoping that uh, that we can do one more conversation some other one time. One more, man. That's, that's it. When, <laughs> whenever you want to do it, you know where to find me. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks, Thank Sean. You. You're the man, as always. Appreciate you coming on. It's one of my favorite conversations. Yeah, man. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks again to the tremendously talented and insightful Sean Murphy from BuffaloRomlings.com, one of my favorite people to talk bills with and one of my favorite people to talk to in general. He's such a good guy. He's so fun to talk to. Um, there's just certain people that you just like kind of connect with while doing these interviews or reaching out with people and talking with them, and he's one of them. He's one of the few that just we just hit it off like that um, several years ago when we met uh, after Bill's training camp. Uh, at the start of St. John Fisher before the pandemic, so 2019 maybe. So just a really cool dude, really fun. Thank you again to him for sharing all of his insight. Thank you guys all for listening. Be sure to check out the Twinspire Sportsbook at DeLago. Uh, if you haven't been there, I highly recommend the DeLago Resort and Casino. It is a fun time there. They have amazing food. It is so fun. Like I'm going to definitely check that out there before uh, the season starts. Uh, probably meet the guys, the co-hosts over there, have dinner, uh, probably make a few bets, and uh, and gamble a little bit because the only thing that uh, that you won't have to gamble on there is having a good time, right? So thanks again to all of you for listening. Be sure to check out part one of our conversation with Sean that we released the day before. And then be also be sure to check out, like I mentioned, the episode on Monday where we talked about Tamar Hamlin and the ESPYs. But we talk about some really funny, funny, off-the-board comments, which you guys have been messaging me nonstop since we released that episode saying how much you loved it, how it's your favorite episode, how much your your wife gets mad at you for laughing at it when you heard it, or uh, it, it was just, it was a good time. So thank you guys all for listening. So for me, Nate, go Bills, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast, download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. <laughs>
The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. 